What is it you want? Real estate. It's the Red Hot Real Estate Show, where we can all find out how's it going for buyers and sellers in the real estate market. I have died and gone to real estate heaven. Looking to move? Hoping to sell? Call in with your questions to real estate expert Mimi Shoneman with Remax Results. I'm going to go out and buy a house. Here she is, your host, Mimi Shoneman. Welcome to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on MyTalk 1071, also streaming on MyTalk1071.com. Very excited. Surprisingly enough, you're going to, once you hear our topic today, you'll be surprised why I'm so excited to talk about this. But I think it's something that can definitely affect us and we don't know that it will. So I'm very excited that Mimi Shoneman is here with us, of course, from the Red Hot Real Estate Group. And Remax results. Hello, Mimi. Hey. And you brought in a team. So not only do we have our good friend Phil Olson from Cross Country Mortgage. Hello, Phil. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, guys. Hey, Phil. Real quick before we move on, let's get your NMLS number out of the way as well, please. NMLS two three eight one zero three. Company NMLS eight zero three zero nine five. Cross country mortgage. And I know we're going to do an update in the market, but Mimi, I also wanted to give you an opportunity to inge- uh, to introduce our additional guest that's with us today as well. Yeah, we're super excited and you guys get pumped out there. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have time to uh, call, definitely check out the podcast. But we have got attorney extraordinaire in the family law profession, Miss Louise Rognes with Rognes and Field Attorneys at Law, specialist in family law, and what other specialized uh, specializations do you have? Also in estate planning and probate. So our law firm, our um, motto is law for all phases of life. So we can help you with family issues if you're having divorce or custody, child support things. We help with your estate plan for planning for your future. We help with probate once someone has passed. We try to get the whole, your whole, we have you covered on every front. Yeah, start to finish. And Louise, part of the reason why I appreciate you being in as well is we often encourage um, here at My Talk for people to start that conversation, to go and get that expert advice. And it's one of those things that they go, wow, Miss Shannon, you're being a buzzkill because you want to talk about setting up a trust for when you're dead. I'm like, no, no, no. There's a reason why we're saying we should have these conversations and encouraging people to find quality family attorneys like yourself that can help them navigate it because it really does give you so much peace of mind to be able to go, no, I had somebody ask me the right questions. My will is set up. My family doesn't have to worry about these things. I'm not being depressing. I'm being empowering. Yeah, that's right. It is pretty important to set up your estate plan now. It is not uncommon for people to want to put that off mm-hmm. but of course you know we see people who put it off until they're they have dementia and they can no longer put an estate plan together or like i just had a client retain who is in hospice and we had to pull his estate plan together in 36 hours mm. so it's something you want to do long before that yeah don't do that don't right. be, don't do that um that is not the way to go um, we do want to start by having Phil give us a market update in mortgage and tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of what's going on. What are the hot things going on in mortgage right now? Well, right now we've seen uh, rates are still on pretty much an upward uh, trajection. We did see it level off here a little bit here this week. We still think that the rates are going to continue to rise. But the big thing in the mortgage markets right now is this news from Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac regarding second home acquisitions. So for all you borrowers out there that are thinking about buying that second home, uh, come March 15th, interest rates automatically 
are going up anywhere between one and a quarter to a total of 4% based on current market conditions. Now, what are current market conditions? You could figure probably 10% down 3.75%. Well, because Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have decided to get out of the second home market because they feel that they're, they're incentivizing the rich, they're automatically, their rates are going to go anywhere between 5 to 8%, which is going to be somewhat some big sticker shock for those clients out there that are currently looking for that second home. Now on the positive front. Positive front is cross-country mortgage. We're the eighth largest lender in the United States. We're coming out with our own portfolio product. It's going to match Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac guidelines as they are today. And rates are going to be substantially lower than what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have. Okay. Well, that's good news that cross-country is coming out with their own proprietary product. Um, so, Phil, how will your rates compare with what the, the Fed is getting ready to do? What I'm being told is our rates are going to probably be about a half a percent to a full percentage point higher than where we're at today. But understand that 96% of all lenders are using rates because they're insured by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac on their, on their mortgages, uh, we're going to be, we're going to have a very large advantage, uh, in the marketplace. We'll be able to provide financing for those clients, uh, at much, much lower interest rates. And so, Phil, is the reason that you're going to be able to do it uh, for such a great rate because you're going to self-insure or how, how will that be handled? We are going to self-insure. We're going to fund our own money on all these deals. All right. So we will be portfolioing these loans in our own portfolio, which Cross-country mortgage, we have a very, very large portfolio. We, we finance uh, 90% of all our, our loans, and then we'll sell some to Fannie and Freddie. But we keep lots of them, so we'll just keep this on the books at cross-country mortgage. Phil, I have a question uh, about the definition of a second home. I know we've covered this, but it's been a while. So if I am going to still primarily live in my first home, how much time do I, what's the, the definition and the ratio of where I get to live at each place for it to count as my second home? Well, primary residence basically states that you're going to be in the property for at least 51% of the time. Okay. A second home, you can't have a second home unless you have a primary residence. Mm-hmm. All right. If you have no primary and you buy a second home on a lake, it would be considered your primary. Right. All right. As far as, as far as what constitutes a second home is anything on a lake, anything 50 miles or greater from your primary residence. A second home could be a dwelling uh, where you have a primary residence, but be, because of your commute time or you're traveling all the time, be it via flight to maybe another state, that could also be considered a second home. Okay. Phil, how many second homes can you have? Can you have a third second home? You can have one primary residence, one second home, and then you could have up to 20 investment properties with cross-country mortgage. And so when you go from the second to the third home, how does that affect the rates that people can get? I would tell you right now on an investment property with 25% down, we are probably sitting at about four and a quarter percent. Okay, let's just say that you don't want to make the third home an investment property. You want to actually 
have that be one of the homes that you actually live in. Let's say that your job um, makes you travel to Sweden. And, (laughs) you know, so you're going to be going over to Europe several times a year and you think it's just going to be better for me to have my own place. And you want to buy something over there. Can cross-country mortgage and you do that? Absolutely. That's where I designate the primary to an investment property or I designate the primary as a second home. And then we, we basically create a new mortgage where the property that you're going to live in, remember, the key is 51% or greater of the time. We then basically just recategorize the mortgages that you currently have, and then we, we do a new designation as the property that you're going to live in as your primary. So a lot of flexibility there. Yes, it's called creative finance. Right. That's what I do. Because I'm curious, so like, I'm not moving to Sweden anytime soon. But if I, since I do have one uh, one property right now, I am thinking, well, maybe I want to get a bigger property that my son and I would move into. And then this would be a rental property, both sides of it. So do I have to change the financing if I haven't paid off mine yet? Or can I just move? No, as okay. long as you've lived in the property and your primary residence for at least a year. All right we could then buy another property as a primary residence as long as it makes sense. Okay. All right. And then you could then convert that property to a rental. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So this is really good news for people who are trying to buy that lake property, people who are wanting to go up north, people mm-hmm. who are wanting to go down south, people who are just wanting to get out of Dodge. Right. So, <laughs> you want options. That's yeah. what it is. You want options So these days. the nice thing is, is we don't have to be terrorized by that March 15th date. Um, it's good if you can hit it, but Cross Country Mortgage is going to come and save the day with their own proprietary product. Phil, how do p- folks get a hold of you to talk about this? They can call me at 651-238-6748 or email me at phil at callphilolson.com. Okay. Well, I'm super excited to have Louise Rognes here in studio, our attorney extraordinaire, expert in probate and trusts. And please don't miss the opportunity to pick her beautiful mind. Yes. Um, and we've just, we're just so excited to have her in here. And, and probate is such an important thing. And it's such a scary thing. I think that even the word itself, people may not fully understand what that is. So, Louise, can you just define what probate is for our listeners? Sure, Mimi. It is the court process of moving your estate from one person to another person. Okay. So the person who's died is usually called the decedent. And it's the court transferring whatever those assets are to whoever is listed in a will. A will is used in a probate process. So when you're talking about wanting to avoid probate, a will does not accomplish that. A will is only used in probate. You need a trust or other um, beneficiary designations on assets in order to actually avoid probate. So that when Phil is talking about buying a second home, it is particularly helpful to have a trust because if it's in another state or another or in Sweden, um, <laughs> yes, you want to um, make sure it's in a trust because otherwise you're going to go through probate in the state of your primary residence, which is probably Minnesota, and mm-hmm. then have a separate second probate in the state where your property is owned. So if you have a cabin in Wisconsin, you have you know a second home in Florida. Though you need to make sure that those pieces of real estate are set up so that they avoid probate either by a transfer on death deed or uh, which actually Florida does not have transfer on death deeds. So 
particularly important to talk to an attorney and set up possibly a trust for that. Okay. Well, you know, there's a lot more to learn and we don't want our listeners to miss any possibility because uh, in all honesty, if you don't do probate or if you don't do your estate well, it can and usually will cost you big time in money. Right. So don't miss a chance to talk to Louise. When we come back, we're going to continue talking a little bit more about probate. And Welcome back to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on MyTalk 1071. Also available at our website, MyTalk1071.com. I'm Miss Shannon here with Mimi Shoneman, and you brought your whole team in today to give her some really interesting information for people out there because it's one of those things, maybe I've seen it on TV, but we don't know what it is well that's why we have our extraordinarily brilliant attorney here in studio louise rogness <laughs> with rogness field attorneys and phil is is uh typing Hyping away so. <laughs> so stop that <laughs> i'm sorry that's okay you know what i'm not even surprised because he's always working so i'm sure he's doing something over oh, there like, no 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 and you i know appreciate what? it i'm gonna wish our friend here louise happy birthday yes and wish yourself happy yes. birthday so sonny in a second if you could find like that age of aquarius because we have some aquarians in here well done yeah and i would also like to, to request shackles on my feet from the 80s okay yeah look that up that. because when she said that i was like you mean the mary mary song and she said no so <laughs> <laughs> i promise i thought she was i'm like okay mimi yeah, you want exactly. to marry mary mary Shackles on my feet so I could dance. I'm like, like, that's an interesting birthday song, but it's your birthday. Yeah, you know, birthday I, girl. I, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, good. Now we know what to appropriately Google. So there that'll work go. for our Aquarius. So, okay. Yeah. Well, in all seriousness. Yes. When you die, you don't. <laughs> back to death. Back, back, to, to, right death. back to death. Back to yes. death. You don't want to do, you don't want to not have your business squared away. Right. right that's correct. So uh, before you, before you pass, you mm-hmm. want to think about, some key things. One of them is avoiding probate. Most people want to avoid probate. Um, it tends to be expensive. And the worst part about it actually is that your your loved ones are grieving your death. So yes. during that process, they're also having to go through a court process, attend court hearings, hire an attorney, do all this paperwork. And it's something that can be avoided for them if you have your estate plan set up properly. And if you dislike them immensely, <laughs> you, know, you know, what are the, you know, so maybe that's a strategy. Well, here's yeah. the thing. If you dislike them immensely, you can also handle this yourself so that they don't go, oh, maybe they liked us and then end up being able to go through prorate and get stuff anyway. So either way, that's whether right. you, you know, this, this secures you on both sides. Okay. So you I can argue- make sure the right people get what they need and it's not work for them and people who are the wrong people. You can take care of that preemptively. Let's talk about personal property, which we love to talk about the real estate part of it. There are so many scenarios that could that float around in my mind. Okay, so what do how does personal property, the real estate, not personal property, the real real estate property, how is that best handled? Uh, There are two primary ways for people to handle it. One is to put it in a trust. Um, the nice thing about a trust is that you have a lot of um, discretion about what you want to do. So you can set up all kinds of parameters. This is how you want your house maintained. This is who you'd want to be using as a realtor um, for the house to be sold upon your death. There, um, And you can give the proceeds to many, many different people in, in a trust. Another way to do it is to do a transfer on death deed, which is a deed that gets filed with a county recorder's office, and it lists a beneficiary to your real estate, just like you would with a retirement account or a life insurance policy. The downside to that is you have less 
say about what happens. You know, you can't list nine people as the is the amount of people that are going to be taking this real estate. And if you did that, you'd be creating a bunch of problems for those nine people. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that brings up something about a cabin. Like, you know, somebody's got a little compound and they really want all of their extended family and their kids to be able to inherit that property, maybe not sell it. But it depends on how it's worded in the trust and how that gets dispersed. That's correct. And actually, a lot of people set up cabin trusts specifically you can set it up within the parameters of a larger trust or as a standalone trust and then you can leave funds for the maintenance of that cabin so that you know let's say you do have five children inheriting that cabin they're not fighting about you know who's putting in how much money and which repairs being done there's money allocated already through your estate plan to do those repairs and maintenance so if somebody specifically says that they don't want the cabin to be sold they want it to stay in the family's name but yet they run out of those funds and then they're left into a predicament because if they can no longer maintain it with either the maintenance or with the taxes or what have you, what can folks do about things like that? Well, that is kind of the benefit of a trust. If you don't have a trust and you're holding it outright, that's where some of that family drama comes into play, where they're fighting about what thing, you know, who's going to pay what, who has the money to do what. Um, there's usually one person that has more money available than in someone else and then they're fighting about what repairs are really necessary so a trust can really help avoid that and it can also help avoid or address the situation of what if somebody doesn't want the cabin what if one of those five kids is not interested in taking the cabin how is that person bought out a trust can address that right off the bat and save a lot of legal struggle later on yeah you don't want to have to sue your family no you don't have to phil you had a story for us well, one of the things that I see commonly in in the mortgage world is where we have a sale transaction of a of a property, and we get into this transaction. We're three weeks into it. We're almost done with the loan, and then we find out that the property is in an estate, and the estate hasn't cleared probate yet, or we find out that there is an estate and it's been given to multiple parties, and now one of the parties is backing out of the transaction stating they don't want to sell the property. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that, Louise? Yeah, and that is, again, why a trust would be helpful. You know, there if there's a trust, then there's one trustee who, that the real estate um, agent works with, that the mortgage broker is working with, it really simplifies their lives. I have actually a case right now where there are four sisters and having to come to agreements with a real estate agent can be tricky when you have four people trying to reach agreements. So, um, and that, it, you know, if you don't set up your estate properly, that's exactly what happens. You end up having to work with all of these, you know, different siblings or different parties. And one person does have the ability to just back out. So question for you real quick before we head into the ba- the break. If someone is appointed the trustee of the estate and they do have multiple siblings and they don't get along, the person who's the trustee can absolutely make decisions on behalf of the estate. Is that correct? It is correct. They do have a fiduciary duty to the beneficiaries, so they can't, you know, decide they're going to take the property and everyone else gets nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, But if there's a dispute 
a legitimate dispute, they can be the person who resolves that dispute. And that, again, depends on the way your trust is set up. You can set it up so each of those beneficiaries have a say. You can set it up so that the trustee is the person who has a say. You have a lot of power in structuring your trust. Perfect. Well, when we come back, we'll continue talking with Louise Rognes about probate and estates. Right. You can be part of the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Call us at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. I feel like I need to start using words like bomb diggity and stuff right now. I'm gonna, it's the bomb diggity Red Hot Woo! Real Estate Show here on My Talk 1071. Drop that. She's like, yeah, there you go. There we go. <laughs> go ahead. Hit it. <laughs> Hit it, Mimi. Thank you, Sonny. <laughs> Happy birthday. Making my day. Making Happy my birthday day. to you and to Louise. I hope that you have lots of exciting things planned for you going on uh, You know, as we move into the month of February. So congratulations. We're just going to have a dance party up here. We can, do that. we can do that and then go roller skating. Mm-hmm. We can do that. Yeah. You know, then, mm-hmm. so, All right. Probate. Mm-hmm. Death. <laughs> We're back. We're the back. Cheery, cheery Stay time. focused. <laughs> Phil's over. Phil's got a thing for girls that are Aquarius, don't you, Phil? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> ah, that's What's hilarious. your sign, Phil? Cancer. Mm. I grow on people. <laughs> okay. Well, that's appropriate for today's topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Louise, people who who think they're smarter than attorneys that say, I don't really need an attorney. They've got all these forms online. I've seen them everywhere. Right. I'm just going to print that sucker out. Call it a day. (laughs) What's your opinion about that? Uh, You know, I probably it could work sometimes. What I see are the cases that don't work. So people um, come to me once someone's passed and that's the will that they have. And it can be a big mess. You know, if the will isn't notarized it's not valid if it's not witnessed properly it's not valid what if the person didn't have competency to sign the will you know if there's an attorney involved there's an extra neutral person assessing competency which makes that will stronger in court um and then there's kind of the sometimes these diy wills i like to call them uh they have language in them that is not what we see in court i'm not an attorney but we're just going to call it absurd (laughs) yeah (laughs) let's hear your story you had a cute story about that i had i did have a case where somebody came in with a will they had done you know that the person was terminally ill so they were trying to plan for that and they had done a diy will and it said that the sister was receiving the four corners of the house that is not a legal term that we see in Minnesota anyway. Mm-hmm. And it had the implication of not giving her the personal property in the house, not giving her the garage that's not attached to those four corners of the house. What about the land that the house is on? And it was clear that his intent, based on the way the will was drafted, was really to give everything to his sister. But then by that language being in there, I mean, he didn't choose that language. That was just kind of the template language in this template. It really messed things up so that we had to go through a probate just to make sure that she was getting what she was supposed to be receiving and right. going through that whole court process. So sometimes it is just like some old school terminology that used to be from like old timey days. It's like the algorithm is spitting out still. Right. Okay. And yep. so, you know, what do they say when you have a, a fool for a client? <laughs> I don't know. I forget that saying, but it was a good one. Um, you know, so don't do it yourself, y'all. You're going to, especially if you really do care about the people who are going to inherit your things, you want to do it right. 
And then let's talk a little bit about the tax implication if you don't do it right. Yeah, there. So taxable estates, they, the one of the main ways to avoid estate taxes is to create uh, certain types of trusts. There's many, many different types of trusts that you can have out there. And some of them can help you avoid taxes um, by sharing that tax exemption with your spouse or by protecting life insurance proceeds um, and putting that into a specific trust. They, Minnesota right now has a pretty high estate tax. However, $3 million per person is exempt from estate taxes. So if you're a, if your estate is under $3 million, you generally don't need to worry about that. But that includes life insurance, which, you know, if you have a million dollar policy, that's going to bump you right up. In 20 years, your everybody's house is going to be worth a million dollars. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Things keep going. It adds mm-hmm. up quickly. Mm-hmm. If it keeps going the way it is, they right. will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of the different types of trusts are the irrevocable living trust and the revocable. Can you mm-hmm. speak a little bit about the difference between the two? Well, an irrevocable trust is just like it sounds. You can't revoke it. You can't modify it. Um, you really give up your power to those assets. So it's it's like you're making a gift to somebody else that you can't get back. The benefit of an irrevocable trust, the primary benefit, is that it helps pull assets out of your estate for um, Medicaid planning and then also for estate taxes. Um, we see it most often with Medicaid planning where you're trying, you know, you don't want that family cabin to be sold to pay for your nursing home expenses. So putting that cabin into an irrevocable trust and giving away your power to it allows your it to be pulled out of your estate for Medicaid purposes, qualification let's, purposes. Let's talk about that because we did have somebody who actually had a Medicaid question and I've worked with the state attorneys on Medicaid cases and they're messy. Yeah. They're really messy. And so what is the, the timeline that, say, you want to get the estate out before you get super sick? Is it five years or yeah. what's the per- It is actually five years. It used to be three, then they bumped it up to five. So that irrevocable trust, it needs to be created five years prior to when you're going to need Medicaid, which, of course, hopefully you don't know when you're right. going to need right. Medicaid. So um, you want to get it started sooner rather than later. Okay. So in case if people don't really know what we're talking about, it's like if you get really sick and you have to go get medical help, either assisted living or hospitalization, those institutions can come back and put a lien on your property. And that lien is a... a First lien holder, is that correct? Yes, and it's not actually the nursing home or the assisted living facility that's placing the lien. It's the state. So the state allows you to qualify if you don't have enough assets. If you're basically poor enough, then you can get free um, medical care through the state. The state pays those assisted living bills to the assisted living facility or the nursing home. And then the state kind of tallies up all that's being spent for you. And they place a lien against your, usually it's your home. And then, you know, it could be your cabin if you don't put that cabin in an irrevocable trust. Uh, And they put a lien against that house. And once you've passed, then the house generally would be either sold to pay off that lien or the heirs would pay off the lien. Okay. And that was exactly the question that we had. Um, And for whatever you can answer to this. And sometimes the questions are more detailed where you can't really, but this was one of our listeners that asked this question in an email under the Medicaid child care giver exception. Once an elderly waiver recipient has moved into an assisted living home is the adult child caregiver 
able to reside in the home indefinitely free of charge? And if so, what stipulations might occur? They are. So if you are a caregiver for that elderly person that's now, you know, you were taking care of them in their home and now they've gotten to the point where they need to be in a nursing home, you can stay in the home. Um, You have to have been providing care for the person in the home two years prior to the person who's moving into the nursing home prior to their departure to the nursing home. So there is that time frame. But yeah, you can stay there without it being sold out from underneath you. Okay. Well, when you have these trusts, like if you set up an irrevocable trust or I'm in the process of setting up a special needs trust for my son, mm-hmm. how do you fund that trust in the meantime or do you not worry about it and you fund it after your passing and you set it up so that it's funded after you pass? So an irrevocable trust needs to be funded at the time you create it. Okay. The assets, it the only the part of it that's irrevocable are the assets that are in it. Gotcha. So okay. You have to. What you, it's not when the trust is created so much you could create it fifteen years ahead of time and not put anything in it. But you need to put something. Whatever you need protected has to be in that trust at least five years prior to you needing. Okay. Assistance. There's other types of trusts. There's so many different types right. of trusts. Mm-hmm. But a special needs trust helps um, protect assets for a child who might or doesn't actually even have to be a child but somebody who's um, receiving some type of government assistance or um, social security disability and it helps them to not get kicked off the benefits that they're receiving mm-hmm. gotcha. and so I have a question let's just say that you put the house in a trust for your parent but they didn't they don't have the full five years you find out at the end uh, can you buy that house for from them in the middle of that and prevent the the state or the county coming back and putting a medical lien on the house technically yes you can buy the real estate from them you have to buy it at fair market value and then that money that you use to buy it that now is available to pay um your medical bills so you just wouldn't qualify for medicaid because you'd have you know three hundred fifty thousand dollars sitting in a bank account that needs to get depleted before you'd qualify Mm -hmm. oh i see so then they would come and they would take the proceeds from the sale of the house as the lien that's right Okay. okay wow okay well that's all very very interesting um let's talk a little bit how much time do we have we got enough you got time okay perfect mm-hmm. something that's very near and dear to my heart are pets and so uh, when we were doing our state plan it was very important to me that we uh, provided for the animals should we you know pass before that the, the animals pass and so uh, you shared something with me when we were talking uh, this week that caused me to realize that I'm going to need to revisit that. Um, talk a little bit about how folks do that and some of the things that maybe are unex- un, uh, things that you don't plan for that can happen. Um, mm-hmm. You and I talked about that. Yeah. Yep. So Minnesota was actually the last state to allow for pet trusts. Um, but we finally got our act together in 2016. <laughs> And now you can create a trust for your pet, just like you would really for a child. Um, You can uh, provide for that pet's care. You can allocate funds for them. You can you can state who you want to receive the pet and you can be very specific in a pet trust, which is nice. You can say, you know, I want to go to this vet. They need to eat this pet food. They you know, they need this many walks a day or they hate being walked in winter. You know, whatever it is, you're able to be very Um, specific about the terms when you have a pet trust set up. Um, You do have to create a pet trust for a living animal. So you can't create a pet trust for, let's say, your dog's puppies. 
that it can't go, extend to something that hasn't been born yet. Okay. Um, and it do, it goes on for the life of your pet or 90 years, whichever is um, shorter. So I can't imagine an animal living more than 90 years, but I'm mm-hmm. guessing they came up with that number because it's... In case somebody had a tortoise, I don't know. Right, tortoise yes. lives that long. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so the thing that you said to me is that the person that you appoint to be the the caregiver mm-hmm. that you've had the conversation with that you're saying you've let them know this is what we're wanting to do. Will you watch the the animals? You're you told me that they can actually refuse yep. after your death. They can change their mind and mm-hmm. not do it. Yep. They can basically kind of flake out on you until the time uh, until the time that they take ownership of the pet. Okay. Then they are bound under the terms of the trust that you set up, but they can refuse to basically serve as kind of a trustee if you think about it that way, um, just like anybody could in any trust. Just because you're named as the trustee and you've said you do it doesn't mean you necessarily have to, and that's why it's important to list successor. Mm, um, okay successor caregivers sometime one way to help address that is to separate the money from the person who's caring for the pet so to have one person in charge of the money and a different person in charge of the pet depending on how concerned you are because you can say oh i'll do it i'll take that pet and you take the pet you take the money and then you that person decides oh actually you know it's been six months it's not really working for me i'm gonna don't i'm gonna release this pet to an animal shelter. Well, there's nothing stopping that person from doing that. And then they've received, you know, let's say you've given them $10,000 to take care of your pet. They have that $10,000 in hand. So in a trust, you're able to say that that can't happen. You know, if you release this pet, then you release the funds as well and they get donated to a shelter, for example. Okay. And then you also mentioned that you could specifically name a no-kill shelter should they be um, should that happen to them that they cannot go to a kill shelter mm-hmm. and how is that handled? Yep. You can. Um, so you'd want to list, you know, your first primary person, you want to take the pet, but then you want to list successors. And then, you know, if all of those are exhausted and this animal ends up in a shelter, there's just no one else that will take the pet. You can say, you can specify the exact shelter or you can say general things like it has to be a no kill shelter, which obviously any pet owner would want that. Exactly. Right. Well, when we come back, we're going to continue talking about trusts and we're going to be talking about probates. And Phil's going to remind everybody about the second home deal that Cross Country Mortgage has. Right. You can be part of the show. Call us at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Or your grandfather's and especially not your weird uncle's talk radio station. This is My Talk 1071, where talk is fun. I won't stop getting butterflies to the Red Hot Real Estate Show here on MyTalk 1071, also streaming on MyTalk1071.com. Miss Mimi Shoneman for the Red Hot Real Estate Group is with us. Also, our friend Phil Olson from Cross Country Mortgage. You can always get this information if you have any questions. We have a great special guest that's been talking about probate. So if you need more information about the subject matter, you can text the word probate 
to 651-578-2218. That's 651-578-2218. Text the word probate and get your answer, your questions answered after the show. Absolutely. So the thing that you don't want to do is to not be informed of what to do if you happen to be designated as the personal representative. If you have that fiduciary duty as a personal representative and you're really not informed about what's going on, there's a lot of things that you can do wrong. The first thing is that you can list the house before you have all your ducks in a row. And that would cause your buyer to have a lot of problems um, in the transaction. And so can you explain a little bit about all the things behind the scenes that have to happen uh, before somebody can is officially permitted to list a house? Yeah. So being listed as a personal representative means that somebody in their will has said that you are the person in charge of selling the house. Um, a will is, again, only used in the probate process. So hopefully if you've set your estate plan up right, you're not even in that process. But um, let's say you're the personal representative for somebody who, um, you know, for whatever reason, their estate is being probated, their will is being used, and now you're the personal representative. You um, do need the court to appoint you as the personal representative, just because the will says you're the personal representative, that's that's not enough. The real the title company will say, "How do we know that this is the most recent copy of the will? This is the this is you know not wasn't done under duress. How do you know? How do we know?" And so the court says, "Nope, this really is the will that's appointing you as the personal representative." And then they issue something called letters testamentary, and that we often just call them your letters. So you need to have letters in order to be able to um, work with a real estate agent to even sign that um, listing agreement, that listing agreement. That's right. And so the court also has something called the orders. Can you Mm -hmm. explain a little bit about what that is? That is the order that's um, stating that you are the person in charge of selling the real estate. So typically, once you've been appointed the personal representative, you need to wait 30 days after that appointment to even be able to execute the, the um, listing agreement. So it can take, I mean, that's again, the one of the downsides of probate. It can take a little while. If you got a heart, hot market, you're in the spring market, you want to get that house listed, you're going to have to wait probably about two months before you can even sign the listing agreement. Okay. Okay. So you and need letters and orders. Letters, testamentary and orders. Okay, thank appointing you. Appointing you. Um, the will if it's available and also getting a clearance certificate showing that there was no medical assistance. And where do they go about getting that? That's something that your attorney will typically get for you. It is like we were talking about before, you want to avoid those Medicaid liens against a house. When we file the probate, we file a notice with the county and they tell us if there is a lien against the real estate or not. And so that certificate of clearance means that there is no lien, which means the house is just able to be sold. Right. And the examiner at the buyer's title company will need to review all of those documents, too. So you definitely want to make sure that you've got your ducks in a row. They typically also ask for a certified copy of the death certificate to go along with all of those documents just to make sure they've got that in their file as documentation. Um, I wanted to to let everybody know that uh, you can name your real estate professional in your will. Um, we have actually had it happen here with one of our My Talk listeners where I was personally put into the will to list their house after they passed away. Um, so, and that makes it a lot easier on your estate. You've right. already done, you know, your screening of the person and you've selected them and then they don't have to go into battle trying to say, well, my realtor I prefer versus yours. 
That's correct. And I actually had, you know, they didn't list the realtor in their estate plan. And I had just that exact thing happen where people were fighting about who the realtor should be. And we ended up going through three realtors before we could, you know, agree on one person that was going to be doing it. Um, And a realtor is more helpful, I think, more helpful in a probate situation or or just, a, you know, even if there's a trust, more helpful once there's been somebody who's passed than there is when you're just selling your house. It's okay. always good to have a realtor, but once someone has passed, that realtor really can come in handy. They know they can tell you ahead of time. You're going to need to have all of these documents together. They can tell you um, kind of what you can expect for timelines for selling the house. And they can really help you with getting the house decluttered, you know, getting Mm -hmm. it ready for sale. Um, I had a client where she was selling her brother's home and the realtor came in and organized somebody to declutter the house, lined up an estate sale, got it staged, um, got all of the organized people. I think the roof had to be redone. She found a roofer. That person came out. You know, the person who had lost their brother really didn't have to do a thing. And it was so wonderful for her because she was depressed and stressed Mm -hmm. by this whole situation i'm telling you what to walk into somebody else's house no matter how well you knew them is daunting and we have worked with all manner of hoarders we've worked with all manner of collectors and we have the the people in place to help you with all of these things um so nothing is too shocking we've seen it all just like you have louise Mm -hmm. yep perfect um, Phil, would you want to jump in quick and tell everybody about the cross country special for second homes? Yep. Uh, based on the, the new guidance from the federal government, interest rates are going to go up immensely on second homes. Uh, no fear. We're coming out with our own proprietary product. It will be a 30 year, 25, 2015, basically following Fannie and Freddie's guidelines right now on second home purchase acquisitions, and we're coming in with much, much lower rates than what the federal government is going to allow people to buy second homes after March 15th. And so this is really great news for all of our second home people, because that's really booming right now. People are definitely looking at uh, lakes that, you know, that may never have looked at them before. They're looking for their their ultimate retirement home, someplace where it's warmer. They're definitely, I'm going to tell you, the number one product that people want in, in every demographic is the one level living Mm -hmm. and those prices are skyrocketing because the mobility issues of the aging population do not wait if that is something that you see in your future for the next 20 years you can reach out to us about real estate mortgage uh, any type of attorney we can connect you with you can reach out to us with all of your questions through our our link here at my talk keyword is red hot or you can also text your question to 651-578-2218. Louise, quickly, give us a story about something that, uh, a DIY story that you might have had where somebody just terribly messed it up and cost them a fortune more than it would have if they would have just taken the time to meet with you. Mm -hmm. Um, I did have a case where somebody created a will and then they created their own trust. And with that trust, they put they did put their cabin in it. Good for them. They did not put the house in the trust. And so hmm. they felt by creating a trust that they had kind of checked the box of avoiding probate. But 
if you don't have an attorney there to make sure that everything is actually going into the trust, either at the time you're creating the trust or upon your death, then that trust is not doing what you think it's doing. So we had to probate the estate on top of having a trust administration. And that's just so sad. And you have to put all of your assets into your trust. And if you miss one, then that will trigger probate, correct? Generally. So if you miss one, that is a probate asset. So if you, real estate's always a probate asset. So if you didn't put a piece of real estate in there, um, which can happen even, even if you have the best laid plans, you buy a house later and you know, you've sold the house, it's in the trust, you don't put the new house in the trust, then that house gets probated. Mm, that is a very unfortunate thing. You don't wanna make a mistake uh, and be penny foolish. Um, definitely give our attorney friends a call, Louise Rognes, Rognes and Field. You can text us, 651-578-2218, probate for her information. All right, happy birthday to both of you. We'll see everybody again next week on the Red Hot Real Estate Show. Paying bills on time? Oh, yeah. Not maxing out credit cards? That's what I'm talking about. Learning what credit utilization is? Yes, give yourself credit. You can reach some pretty big goals like home ownership by taking small steps like those to build up your credit. Get started by leveling up your credit knowledge at FannieMae.com slash credit education. That's FannieMae.com slash credit education. Home ownership, here you come. Hey.